and and it may sound a bit strange, but I um, I I, I don't really. <laughs> I mean, I I love my kids, but but I'm I'm really not a, a kids person in general, uh, if, if you know what I mean. And and maybe maybe you think it's a bit strange because not only do I have three kids, but uh, I I am also um the youth pastor here. Uh, but I'm fine when they're teenagers, you know. I, I, I like talking to teenagers. I mean, some people, teenagers are like, uh, they're just like annoying and weird. And I, I mean, they are, but, but I'm fine with that. But, but I, I'm not that great with, with little children. And, and you know, I, I live in a kind of a, a, like a town, townhouse where, where if you've been there, people always walk in and, and they say it's like a, like a chalet feel, you know. Because all our, our living rooms, they open up to kind of like a, a common corridor. So generally, all our living room uh, doors and, and gates are, are, are just always open. And so because of, because of this, sometimes like these random kids appear in my house, like out of nowhere, okay? I, okay, they're, they're not random kids, they're my neighbor's kids, you know? But um, there was once I was, I was in my bedroom on the second level, and this boy walks in, okay? I, actually, two boys walk in. They're, I mean, they're, they're brothers, they're our, our neighbors. And because I'm all, you know, friendly and hospitable, I go, uh, why are you in my room? But, but they, 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 they kind of, they don't get it. So they are just like, they're just walking around my room. They're sitting on my bed. They're just like talking to me about, I don't know what, you know? And, and my introvert tendencies are like on overdrive. Like, why are these kids in my private safe space, right? Or, or like, like one day I'm, I'm downstairs in my living room. I go down and... And there's this boy there whom I've never seen in my entire life. He's playing with my kids. And so again, because I'm all friendly and, and nurturing and hospitable, I go, who is this? Uh, and, and my girls tell me, oh, he's Drake, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and then I message my husband saying, there's this random boy in my house. And apparently his name is Drake. And my husband replied, oh, Drake, you know. Like, clearly, my, my husband is the friendly extrovert, Okay. He's the opposite of me. He loves kids. He's like, he's like kid whisperer, okay? He's really good with kids. You know, he loves to play with them. He enjoys playing with them. Uh, whereas I'm just like, oh, how many more kids' birthday parties must we attend, you know? And I, I'm sorry, parents. Please still invite Janelle to your birthday parties. Okay? And <laughs> I, so I don't know if you, if you can identify with me um, or if you currently think I'm a, I'm a terrible person. Uh, don't worry, I agree. <laughs> but, but surprise, surprise, um, Jesus' attitude to little children does not resemble mine at all. You know, I'm sure we've all heard songs like, you know, Jesus loves the little children and Jesus loves the little ones, like me, 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 you know. And, and we've seen the, the drawings, especially on, on kids' Bibles, where Jesus is like surrounded by the happy kids and there's always one sitting on his knee. And, and you know, if you examine the Bible... It's true. Jesus genuinely loves the little children and, and he spends time with them. You know, several of the healing miracles he performed were on children, right? In two separate incidents, he heals a boy and then a girl who were demon-possessed. He raised a girl from the dead and, and we read that, you know, he, he tenderly took the girl by the hand and he said, little girl, get up. And even in his most epic miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus used a little boy. He used his lunch. And even in the rest of the Bible, we see God 
using children. You know, the, the boy King Josiah was eight years old. Um, you know, the prophet Samuel was a boy when God spoke to him. David was a young boy when he fought Goliath. Um, the prophet Jeremiah was a child when he was called to ministry. And so I believe Jesus loves children. And when he was on earth, he, he ministered to children and he involved children in ministry. And, and there are sort of two key incidents recorded in the Gospels um, of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus teaches his disciples specifically regarding children. And, and I believe what Jesus teaches us about children applies to all of us, whether or not we are parents and whether or not we naturally like kids. You know, it is what he teaches his disciples, and, and that is what we are, disciples of Christ. So let me just briefly summarize these two, these two key incidents for you, and then we'll look at them in more detail as we go along. So the first is, um, in, in, it's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this is when the disciples of Jesus were arguing over which of them was the greatest. And as they were arguing about this, Jesus takes a little child. In fact, it, the Bible says he gently takes the boy in his arms, and then he told the disciples, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. And then there's another incident where, you know, parents, they were bringing babies, they were bringing little children to Jesus so that he could lay hands on them and, and, and pray for them and bless them. And the disciples rebuked these parents. You know, they probably said like, why are you here? Right? And, and, and Jesus rebuked them. He said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, such as these little children. And today I want to share two things that Jesus teaches us uh, with regard to children. And the first is this, that as followers and disciples of Jesus, we are to serve the children. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 18.5, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name, welcomes me. And you know, when we welcome and when we receive and when we serve children in the name of Jesus, for the sake of Jesus, not for reward or recognition or, or some kind of advantage, we serve God. And you know, serving children rarely gets you much reward or advantage. Children can't really um, advance your career. You know, they're not people that you network with. Um, in fact, sometimes they, they may hinder your career. Right? I, I know of many people who um, have given up their jobs or, or they've taken a different job in order to spend more time looking after their kids instead. So children don't give you much prestige. Um, in fact, children mostly humble you. you know, I've never been so in touch and involved with poop and pee and drool and vomit until I became a parent. Right? Children, children can't give you things. You know, they, they, they need things from you. They, they want you to give them things. And so children are essentially... Um, kind of helpless and, and needy. But Jesus says, if you serve them and you love them and you welcome them in my name, then you welcome me and you serve and you love and you welcome God. You know, a few chapters down in, in Matthew 25, Jesus again says that whenever we feed the hungry, when we look after the sick, when we visit those in, in prison, when we, we clothe people who, who need them, when we invite people into our houses, that we actually do all these things for Jesus. He says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, 
you did for me. In fact, throughout the Bible, we are, we are told, to, you know, Jesus tells us to help the poor, the, the downtrodden, the, the ones on the outskirts of society, the widows, the orphans. And as disciples of Jesus, we are called to serve the least of these. And that includes the little children. It is precisely because they are weak and they are helpless and they are insignificant that we as Christians must serve them. When the disciples argue about who, who the greatest is, Jesus took, uh, he took a little child by his side and he tells them, if you can give time to this small, unimportant child who cannot give you anything in return, then you are great. And what you get, what you receive is Jesus. And, and he says that the Christian way of life is completely different from the world's idea of greatness. He says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. He who is the least is the one who is great, and whoever humbles himself will be the greatest. And so Jesus is saying that true greatness comes through serving, when the needs of others are consistently placed before self. And that, that is really the Christian way of life, the daily dying to ourselves, to our own needs, to our own rights, to our own comfort for the sake of Jesus, and therefore for the sake of others. And then in Matthew 18, Jesus goes on to say, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. And so this is what Jesus says, don't despise the children. Don't think they are insignificant, small little things. You know, they are not insignificant in the kingdom of God. Children matter. You know, God, he, they matter so much that God sends angels to care for them. That's how important they are to Him. Every child is valued and loved. You would have seen it downstairs. That's the vision of the kindergarten. And here also we see the people who value and love the kids every day. And in the same way, I believe we, we cannot despise serving children. You know, don't despise children's ministry, even if it involves like crazy hats and making yourself look silly. You know, working with children... Um, almost always involves some kind of menial task, you know, like cleaning up messes and, and making yourself look silly, uh, dealing with a, a crying kid, throwing a tantrum. But Jesus says, don't dismiss children's ministry as unimportant. It's not as if the, the real ministry is only to the adults. And I believe as disciples, as, as a church, we must see the importance of serving children. You know, that the children are not just like associate members. You know, they're an important part of the church. When the disciples tried to drive the parents away, they, they, you know, they scolded them for bringing the babies to Jesus. Jesus scolded them, right? He, the, you know, the disciples thought that, um, you know, why bother the master with something so insignificant like blessing the babies? Why, why bother the master when he is busy with so many more important things and, and important people? But Jesus scolded them. He scolded the disciples and said, no, let the children come to me. Bring the children to me and do not hinder them. Now, maybe some of you um, at this point, especially the parents, uh, are thinking, oh, well, today children are not insignificant. You know, they are greatly valued and, and they're not powerless. They have great power over us to dictate our schedules and make us very stressed and make us spend a lot of money. And, and I, I think as parents, um, yes, we naturally serve you know, our own kids, we see them as valuable. But, you know, Jesus also says this as parents, uh, to parents. He says, 
Matthew 18, verse 5, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then verse 6, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. It's very harsh. And, and parents, I think this is where we, we really need to, to pay attention. Because by default, right, parents, we are involved in children's ministry on a daily basis with our own kids. And it is our role and responsibility as parents to, to minister to and to serve our kids. But I think as parents, a big part of serving our kids is also teaching them. And Jesus warns us that we shouldn't cause the kids to stumble. We shouldn't hinder them from going to Jesus. And I think the most important way we can do this is to teach them well, to teach them about Jesus and what it means to live as a disciple. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. It's one of the philosophy of our kindergarten. And parents, this is really our responsibility. And we have to take it seriously, right? Jesus warns us, don't cause the kids to stumble. And, and the word stumble here, actually, it means sin. Don't cause the kids to sin. And I can tell you honestly that this is, I, I struggle with this every day. You know, I feel like being a, a parent makes me even more acutely aware of all my imperfections because sometimes I, I hear the things that my kids say or, or, or I see their bad behavior and I'm like, shucks, that's, that's me. They learned it from me, you know. And or sometimes like, I pray for my kids to be more obedient and inevitably it leads me to pray, oh God, please help me be a better parent and, and, and teach them better. And Jesus says, don't hinder the kids from coming to me. And, and you know, as parents, there's, there's, oh, there's, there's so much we can do to hinder our kids from going to Jesus. You know, we can, we can hinder them with, with our bad example. We can hinder them by, by the way we treat others, by the, the things that we prioritize and the things that we value most. We can hinder them by the way we, we casually think about church or we become late. You know, we can hinder them by our, our harsh words and our behavior. And it's, it's very tough. It's a, it's a high calling to be a parent. And, and yet, as Christian parents, we must strive to teach them the godly way of living, not to cause them to sin, not to hinder them in any way from Jesus. Because Jesus also says in Matthew 18, verse 14, that our Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. You know, this is the love of the Father for the little children. Right? In this passage, he talks about just like the shepherd who would leave the 99 sheep to, to look for that one silly little sheep that wandered away. That is how much God values each little child. And, and he wants them to be saved. He doesn't want them to be lost. He wants them to be saved. And that is why we do children's ministry. That is why we have you know, our, our, our kids' ministry in, in CSC. We, we have the new student care center. We have Kids Connect. We have our kindergarten, we have the cool, uh, we have cool club, cool thoughts, you know, we, we do kids program and we go on mission trips, we do kids outreach, just as it is the great commission to preach the gospel to everyone, we preach to the children as well. And, and I want to just share um, a little bit more on what this means on, on a practical and, and tangible level for us as a church. You know, I, I told you, right, I don't have that natural affinity um, for kids. But as I read Matthew 18 and as I read the Bible, 
I, I cannot ignore or deny that Jesus very clearly and very greatly values children and instructs us to do the same. I'm really sorry, SLS6629, can you please move your car? 6629. So Jesus greatly values children. He, 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 he thinks they are important and he instructs us to do the same. And you know, on a, on a macro level, I believe that as the church of God, as, as followers of Christ, in terms of big things like social justice and social issues, we cannot therefore feel nothing on issues like abortion, child abuse, um, child trafficking. And as a church, we have to advocate on behalf of the helpless, on behalf of those who cannot help themselves. As a church, we should be champions of things like adoption and fostering and child sponsorship and, and you know, reaching children who are underprivileged because Jesus was a, was a champion of little children. And, and I know these are massive and complex issues that they are not easy at all. They are not simple. They are not simplistic. But as a church, as disciples who have been told to let the little children come to Jesus and welcome them in His name, we simply cannot be indifferent. And on a local level as well, you know, as we think about our church here in PPH, I, I think we also need to pay attention to what Jesus says, which is don't hinder and don't neglect the children. That they are an important part of the church. I believe we have to constantly consider the children, how do we bring them to Jesus instead of hindering and stumbling them? You know, how do we welcome them and serve them in the name of Jesus for the sake of Jesus? And, and I know that children's ministry is not easy. I think it's hard work, taking care of children, um, serving them, teaching them. This week, I was uh, on leave and at home with my, my kids because my parents, my regular babysitters, they were, they were overseas. And, and I don't know if it's just me, but... Uh, it's hard work. You know, I, I salute and I commend all the stay-at-home moms. And, and, and I really want to encourage all who are involved in children's ministry, in, in, in children's work, in, in, in care for children, you know, our, our kindergarten teachers, our cool teachers, our Kids Connect teachers, that this work is very close to Jesus' heart. And we really want to honor those who work with children because Jesus says they are great in the kingdom of God. You know, I believe one of the key things that makes children ministry hard is that you rarely um, see immediate and, and tangible fruit, if ever. Right? Children, because they are young, they have generally um, not really developed the capacity to be conscious and, and aware and appreciative of what you do for them. Right? So I'm, I'm the youth pastor, and sometimes I take my youth through like, baptism class, and they're always required to write a baptism testimony. And you know, many of our youths here in church, they are second-generation Christians. And if you read their baptism testimony, very often, it goes something like this. Oh, I grew up in a Christian family. I went to church all my life, but I never experienced God until one day I went for this loud-gen camp and it changed my life. And now I want to get baptized. And, and it's great for me to hear it uh, as youth pastor. But, but I also like to, like, catch out them, you know. I would say, like, you mean you came to church and you grew up in a Christian home for 12 years and you never once experienced God? Like you learned nothing in those 12 years? 
your poor parents and Sunday school teachers. And then they'll be like, oh, oh yeah, oh, uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, of course, youth camp is, is great, right? But it, a lot of it has to do with their, their life stage. You know, they, they reach adolescence and they understand more, they're more aware. But, but yeah, children's ministry, often very thankless. You know, you have, you have no idea if the kids will appreciate or even remember what you teach them and what you do for them. And parents, I don't know if you, if you ever think of this. Like, do you ever bring your young kids on a holiday? You know, you, you lug all their stuff around and like, you know, oh man, I used to travel light and then I became a parent. You know, and, and they have like all this stuff, right? It's like, I don't know why, you must bring toys along and then you have to bring like 10 sets of extra clothes and, and all that, you know, lug all this stuff around. You power through that long flight with them crying and fussing and all. And, and at the end of the day, I wonder if you ever think, will they remember this trip? I, I don't know, you know what? Possibly not. You know, a few years ago, um, we brought our kids to um, Pepper Pig Land in the UK. No normal adult will go there, okay? Unless, you know, you're a parent of, long of young children. And, and it, you know, it was a long drive there. It wasn't even that fun, okay? I wouldn't recommend it, you know? And, and you know, the, the rides are, like, just really normal. And, and, and I don't even think Peppa Pig is cute, you know? She's kind of ugly, right? But, but at that time, about, about three years ago, um, my, my two kids, they really liked Peppa Pig. And, and they really wanted to go and they really enjoyed it. And then, just recently, I said to them, hey, remember that time we went to Peppa Pig Land? And they said, huh? <laughs> I said, you know, remember the, the rides and that Peppa Pig? They're like, ah, uh, we don't remember. <laughs> and then, and then I, I showed them like, some photos, and, and they kind of went, oh, you know, I, I don't even know if they, they remembered or they were just trying to get me off their back, right? Who knows? Who knows if they remember? But we bring them anyway, right, parents? And, and I think in children's ministry, it's, it's kind of like that. You know, a, a, lot of, a lot of effort goes into preparing, like, creative and engaging uh, lessons to, to teach the Bible. And, but who knows? if the kids will remember. You know, we've been doing this Ezra Nehemiah series, right? And every week I see that the, the cool, they are doing some, some epic stuff downstairs, you know? The, the teachers built like a tabernacle. Like, is that chilly? I don't even know. They, you know, they did some cool brick stuff. Like, I don't really know exactly what's going on, but it looks like a ton of effort went into all this. And, and will the kids remember this? Five years later, ten years later, I don't know. But we serve them anyway. And we teach them anyway. Because when we serve them, and we care for them, and we receive them, we welcome them in Jesus' name, we serve God, and we welcome Him. You know, not because we get some recognition or reward, because very often there's none, or at least there's, there's quite little. And you know, if you think about it on a, on a kind of like pragmatic, dollars and cents kind of perspective, it may not be very worth it um, in the worldly sense. It's like it's a lot of effort for what may seem like marginal returns. And the fruit may not be very tangible or immediate at all. But we do it anyway, in His name and for His sake. I, I also know that there's a child in the cool club who has some special needs. And there are seven volunteers who serve and, and take care of him specifically. You know, I guess they are, they are rostered. 
And again, in, in like the worldly sense, you know, this may not make sense, right? Like deployment level, like seven people deployed to one person, like is it worth it? Well, yes. Because Jesus says we do not look down on one of these little ones and we will not hinder them from going to Jesus. We will care for them in Jesus' name. You know, it's, it's not easy getting people to serve in children's ministry. And I know the cool always needs volunteers. And not just volunteers, we need people to, to, who are really willing to take the lead in cool, you know, to champion children's ministry. And if God is stirring something in your heart today, to serve Him by serving the children, I hope you will respond to Him. So maybe children don't remember much, right? But you know, just because they don't remember doesn't mean it counts for nothing. Because while, while my kids may not remember Peppa Pig Land specifically, I believe that over the years, they will remember that their parents brought them for holidays, that they enjoyed themselves. You know, I believe that the, the good times we had and the fun that they had to, um, we had together adds to an, an inner foundation of security, of, of feeling loved and cared for by their parents. I mean, I mean I'm hoping this is true, you know. I believe. <laughs> and, and, and if I may share my own experience in, in church and in Sunday school, you know, I'm, I'm a second-generation Christian myself. Like many of my youths, I, I grew up in church all my life. And while I may not be able to remember um, specific lessons I learned as, as a kid in Sunday school, in church, or, or at home, I can tell you without a doubt that growing up in a Christian home and in the church, you know, listening to Bible stories from young, this has significantly and extensively shaped my worldview and has provided that, that inner foundation for me to grow in my relationship with God. And so children's ministry definitely counted for something in my life. Once I was at um, this, it was kind of like a youth pastor's workshop, and someone asked a question about preaching to second-generation Christian youths. And the speaker said, oh, you should just preach to them as if they were non-Christians. And, and I actually agree with that. Um, it's, it's practical advice. And yet, when I heard that, I felt, that's so sad. How can we accept this as Christian parents? You know, as, as, as a church, we cannot accept that this is so. Like, surely, growing up in the church, in a Christian home, with Christian parents, surely, it has to count for something. Surely, it makes a difference. And I'm not saying at all that, that growing up in a Christian environment means the child will be perfect or, or whatever. But it has to make a difference. That foundation of knowing Jesus, of walking with Jesus, that heritage of, of having and being prayed for by godly parents and a godly community, surely it must make a difference. And so parents, let's be fervently praying and see to it that it counts for something. We have to recognize the importance of children's ministry. We cannot think less of the children. We need to receive them and welcome them in Jesus' name. We have to serve the children. And now we come to the second thing that Jesus teaches about children. That as followers of Christ, we have to serve the children. But the other thing he says is that we have to be like children. Matthew 18, verse 3 to 4 says, Unless you turn and become like children, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that if we want to be Christian, we want to be a part of his kingdom, we need to become like children. And you know, he's not talking about being childish or, or immature, of course. I believe the, 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 the childlike quality he's talking about here is children being completely dependent on their parents. You know, little children, babies, they, they cling to you, right? My youngest girl is, is about 16 months in, and she's at that stage where she's very attached to me. You know, she, she clings, right? Actually, she's so clingy, and she's so sticky. You know, I, I believe mothers especially, you will know what I'm talking about, right? I go to the shower, and she cries. You know, she, when she sees me, it's like, I must carry her. You know, I leave the house for work, and she bursts into tears as if I'm abandoning her. And, and you, know, you know, older parents will tell me, like, um, you know, enjoy this stage because soon they, they won't even want to hold your hand and they want to be away from you as much as possible. And, and that's how it's like, right? As we grow older, we become more independent from our parents. And, and in the natural human realm, this is normal and, and necessary. I mean, if my youths and my teenagers cried every time their mother took a shower, then that's probably some serious psychological problems, you know? But, but little children, babies, they cling and they are completely dependent on you. They, you know, they rely on you for everything. And, and they love it. And they enjoy it. And we as parents, we love it too. Kind of. Most of the time, you know. And I believe that that's what Jesus is talking about. That we should be like a little child in relation to God. We should be clingy and sticky to Him. Because we are completely dependent on Him. And Jesus talks about being humble like a child, right? And I don't think he means humble as in like children are humble in the sense that, that you know, they are meek and they think of others first. I mean, at least my kids are not like that. You know, they, they say things like, Mommy, I'm so pretty, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, you are, right? But children are, are humble in status, right? They are, I mean, officially they are called dependents because that is what they are. And your children are not stressed or upset that they are dependent, they are happy. They are happy to receive all that they need. You know, sometimes at night, um, after a long drive, our, our kids, they fall asleep in the car, and then when we reach home, we have to carry them up to their room. And you know, sometimes when, when we're carrying them, you know they're actually half awake, right? But they're happy to be just carried um, because they know and, and they trust and they enjoy that, that mommy will get them to their room. Okay, fine, it's papa. Okay, it's usually papa who carries them to their room and we'll get them there safely. You know, we'll take off their shoes. We will, we will get them into their pajamas. You know, the, for the baby, we'll change the diapers and all that. And, and they just enjoy being independent and they just sleep. And I think Jesus is saying, don't look down on, on a child's trust as naive and simplistic. Instead, we should learn from it. We should recognize that we can and we should trust in God for everything that we need. That we should have that straightforward and uncomplicated trust of a child in relating to God. You know, I believe life becomes simple when we trust Him for everything. That life becomes complicated when we have selfish ambition and selfish desires. That relationships become complicated when we insist on being served instead of serving. 
Even like sexuality becomes complicated when we insist on following our own desires instead of following the divine design for sex. In fact, sin is anything that is living in independence from God, living our own lives for our own purposes, doing our own things. And it is not just about trusting God and and depending on Him to provide for us stuff that we need. I think if we consider that that we have absolutely nothing to offer God when we come to Him, that that none of us have anything that God needs, if we consider that, that none of us are good enough or righteous enough to earn salvation and earn a place in God's kingdom, that we, would, we, 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 have, we have nothing without Him. Without Him, we would be condemned to hell. We would have no purpose in life. If we consider that it is only by grace that we enter, then we cannot help but realize that we are utterly dependent on God for salvation, for everything else, and that should humble us completely. And that is why Jesus says, unless we become like little children, humbly and completely dependent on Him, we will never enter the kingdom of God. We will never enter the kingdom of God. We have to trust and depend on Him like a little child and recognize that apart from Him, we can do nothing. That apart from Him, we have no good thing. And we cannot enter the kingdom of God. We cannot be a disciple of Jesus if we don't recognize and acknowledge our utter dependence on Him and how desperately we need Him. Luke 18 says, you know, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You know, just before this passage is the passage where Jesus talks about two people praying. The first guy was a Pharisee. He was a religious ruler. He was confident of his own righteousness and he looked down on on everybody else and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other sinful men. I am so religious. I am very decent and I'm a good person. The second guy, he was a tax collector, a very unpopular occupation. And when he prayed, he didn't even dare to look up to heaven. He just beat his chest in humility, in repentance, and in brokenness. And he said, I am a sinner. God, please have mercy on me. And Jesus said, it is the second guy, not the first, who went home forgiven and made right with God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, but anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then after this passage, in the next passage, Jesus talked about the rich ruler who felt that he kept all the commandments, you know, he did all the right religious things, and yet when Jesus said, give up everything you have and follow me, he said, no, I I can't do that. And then Jesus said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Not because it is wrong to be rich, but because very often when we have a lot, when we think we are self-sufficient, when we think we are independent instead of dependent, then we stop realizing our need, our dependence on God. And I believe that's what Jesus is trying to tell us when he says, be like little children. 
that you have to be like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to constantly realize how utterly dependent we are on God. And we have to receive the kingdom of God and receive salvation as a free gift. And, and you know, this may sound simple, but this actually really hinders people from receiving God because we, we want to feel like we deserve it, that on some level we kind of earned it, that we were good and moral and religious and, and decent enough, and therefore we, we, on some level, deserve to be saved. But the truth is, on no level do we deserve it, that we are all imperfect and sinful human beings who completely fall short of God's standards. We cannot save ourselves no matter how hard we try to do good or to be good. And the only way we can receive salvation is by the grace of God when we receive it like little children. Let me close. In summary, what Jesus says about children is that we have to serve them and then we have to be like them. But we have to be like children in relation to God and be like God in relation to children. And I want to end by sharing this. You know, Jesus didn't just say all these things. You know, he wasn't just a teacher and a philosopher who gave some moral instructions and taught some good values. He walked the talk. Jesus said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the last. He must be the servant of all. And he demonstrated that. The Son of God did the most menial task. He washed the feet of all his disciples as an example of how we should serve one another and how we should serve the least. And Jesus said he didn't come to earth to be served, but to serve. And then, in an ultimate act of sacrifice, he served by giving his life as a ransom for us all. Because Jesus didn't just become like a child, he literally became a child. And this is what we celebrate every Christmas. We celebrate the birth of our Savior, that Jesus took on flesh, we sang it just now, the fullness of God in a helpless babe. And this was the ultimate example of humility, that Jesus, being in very nature, God himself. He gave up his divine privileges. He became human. He took the very nature of a servant. He took on the humble status of a servant. And then he walked the path of humble obedience all the way to death. And it was the worst kind of death, death on a cross. And he died for the sins of mankind, for you and for me. Because on our own, we would never be able to attain salvation by ourselves. And so because of his humility, because of his sacrifice, he's exalted to the highest place and he's given name above all names. That At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us pray. Today, as we, as we bow our heads in prayer, I don't know if, if, if any of you have never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life because you've never realized that you are utterly dependent on Him. And today He says, it is a free gift. We receive salvation as a free gift. We receive it just as children receive things from their parents. And all we have to do is acknowledge Him as Lord and Savior. 
And so if that is you, I want to just pray a prayer with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, that in Him we find everything that we need and everything that we, we desire. So if that is you and you want to make Jesus your Savior, you can just pray after me in your heart. Jesus, I recognize that I need you, that I need you to save me, that you are Lord and you are King. And so today, I invite you to be Lord of my life. I turn from my own ways, from my independent ways, and I say that I am utterly dependent on you. Would you come and be Lord and Savior of my life? And as we all close our eyes, if you prayed that prayer, I hope you can just give me a little wave and then maybe we can talk more and pray more after the service. And so if anyone prayed that prayer, just as all eyes are closed, just give a little wave. Now let's close in prayer for the rest of us. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that, that you, you love the little children and you love each of us as your little children. And God, we come to you today and we recognize that we are utterly dependent on you. That God, apart from you, we can do nothing. And apart from you, we have no good thing. So Father, as we go through our week, would you, would you remind us of our utter dependence on you? That Jesus, you are all we need and the one that we can completely trust in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. The service is over and we hope you can join us for refreshments as well um, on Level 1.